Hello and welcome to Misfits on Vital. My name is Spencer Straker. I'm an actor, comedian, and one of your tits. <laughs> My name is Aaron. I am an actor, comedian, and the other tit. You uh, are the other tit. <laughs> yeah, and I'm neither an actor or a comedian. You are an actor. If you say so, my friend. Man, you were one of the most talented actors that I know. Thank you. One time, we did a play where Aaron ripped his pants. It's true. Well, he was straddling me. Yeah, it was. that was purposeful, actually. <laughs> like, hulked open my, my cock hole for you. It was such a weird show. That was one of the weirder shows we've ever done. It was even worse because it wasn't like it was just a show. It was... A show that was written to be a part of an orchestra. Yes. Uh, that this guy had like written, and this guy, uh, w- he asked the playwright to write some gay characters, and then he got mad that the gay characters kissed because mm. uh, it would make his old Chinese uh, family uncomfortable. Uh, so he asked us to change it right before <laughs> we opened, and we were like, no. <laughs> and then. Uh, and then right before the uh, show started, there was one song that I guess went wrong, and he was freaking out backstage. He was mm-hmm. like, they're ruining my show! And we were just like, oh shit, this guy's scary. And then nobody told me that uh, uh, there was going to be a song before our play started. So I just fucking walked out to start the show, and then I'm stuck on stage as this fucking 10-minute long song is going, and I just have to improvise as if I'm in the scene, and I'm just like throwing papers around and doing math. It was... Yeah, bad. that's a hard improvisation for you two, doing math. Dude, I can't yeah. even really do math. I know, I know. It's <laughs> like, how do you pretend to do math when you don't even know? You don't even know the source material you're bas- basing it off of. Basing, basing it, it off, off of, yeah. <laughs> I have another secret. Now my list, my list is back. Um, yeah, no, we're in a different setup now. I guess we should acknowledge our setup has yeah. changed. Um, Spencer has rearranged his living room. Yep. We now have a dedicated podcast Corner. Yep, which I'm excited about. That mm-hmm. means we don't have to move a lot of stuff. We just have to set things up, which yeah. is nice. I like that. Uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. We uh, we finally got our carpets cleaned after three years of living here. Nice. And uh, now you do not see dog piss stains all over the carpet, which is uh, quite nice. Yeah, but there's a lot of human piss stains uh Around on the carpet. There too. will be more too. Yeah, I feel it. like after we we do a couple of double headers. Yeah, do you know Logan Roy? Logan Roy? No, yeah. I just don't. Logan. Sam gets the reference. <laughs> Sam gets the reference. I know Logan Paul. No, yeah, this is uh, gonna be a power move. Yeah, or am I just uh, yeah. losing it? Am Who I? Knows? Do I have dementia or am I pissing on my son's desk? <laughs> <laughs> what? Succession. <laughs> Succession, bro. Uh, yeah, dude. Fucking banger show. Yeah, I haven't started watching it Inside yet. Inside the mine, I was watching it last night. That's yeah. fair. I had a bath and I watched like three episodes. Nice. Yeah, it was oh, very relaxing. Per- that's such a Roy move. Mm-hmm. It was very relaxing. I fucking enjoy taking a bath and binging a show. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of baths during the pandemic. I love a good bath. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Sarah buys all the fancy bath salts and Ooh. the different smelling stuff. And she even gets me ones that are like more uh, men orientated. So it's like a motorcycle bath bomb. <laughs> <laughs> You put it in, you're like, as it's fucking bubbling oh, around. Yeah. No, There's uh, a toy in the middle, too. <laughs> there is. There is. Aaron's got a little boat to play with after. <laughs> it's the best. The bath toys are much needed. Yeah, no, I love a good bath. You're man. fucking sitting in the bath, you're like, <laughs> yeah, dude, in between, in between, I pause succession to get a little playtime in. Yeah. <laughs> Making waves, moving back and forth in the bath, rocking the bath to make some waves for my boat, man. Those are the best. It's the best times. 
<laughs> okay, actually, I have a really funny story. I learned something about myself um, recently. I was spending time with family because it was a long weekend, and uh, I was talking with my dad. I started talking about like how reckless of a child I was. <laughs> so apparently, I drowned, uh, like almost drowned, like two or three times. Really? But the one time I was like maybe three. And we were at a swimming pool. And, this explains so much. Yeah, we were at a swimming pool. <laughs> and uh, I didn't know how to swim. Like, I was, like, you know, I was a young child. But I walked over to the deep end, and, like, I saw my siblings swimming. I just fucking jumped in, and I sunk to the bottom <laughs> on the fucking deep end. Right to the bottom. And apparently I wasn't even like trying to hold my breath. I was just intaking water. So one of our family friends came down and grabbed me. It like took me up. And then I just started violently puking everywhere. He was like holding me up like I'm Simba. And I was all in the fucking pool. Everywhere in the pool. Yeah. But apparently I just jumped in and I sunk to the bottom. I just started intaking water. Like You did everything like the body wants you to yeah. not do. I was trying to speed run drowning, dude. <laughs> So, yeah, no, I don't know what the fuck that was all about. But, yeah, I didn't know that story. Yeah. And then I don't know if you remember the TV show fucking Rescue Heroes. No. Um, it was. I like, will say this, though. I did not know you were trying to join the Blue Man group. <laughs> <laughs> I used to love this show Rescue Heroes. And then our family friend saved us. I used to call him Berkey. It was his last day. I was like, Berkey, you my rescue hero. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like one of three times I almost drowned. There's two other stories I almost drowned as well. One was at the... In Newfoundland, there's a like Olympic-sized swimming pool with diving boards called yeah. the Aqua Arena, which is awesome fucking name. That is a pretty yeah, sick yeah. name. And yeah, that sounds like you do battle in the water. Yeah, apparently my mom my mom was like uh, changing my sister, and I was uh, I was already changed, and I just took off <laughs> out of the change room, and I was fucking in the bottom of the pool before she could even look for me, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I, what was wrong with me when I was a child. But I had a fucking death wish. Dude, you were just like, I don't want to fucking make it to adulthood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the and mermaids then, were calling out. <laughs> and then, and then, they, and then they, like, some of the people there asked me, was like, do you like swimming? I was like, no, I'm not really a strong swimmer, <laughs> believe it or not. I'm not really a strong swimmer. I don't go swimming very often nowadays. Yeah, I, mm. I, I realized how much not of a strong swimmer I was in Victoria. Mm. I, 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 uh, so I was walking around this like rock shelf looking for crabs because uh, I like to fucking catch crabs when i'm on the beach nice uh which oddly enough you could do that in banff too mm -hmm. uh but uh <laughs> but the capital of the crabs. capital of crabs <laughs> but uh I'm, i was like walking along these rocks and then i stepped off and fucking there it was just like straight down and i so i'm i'm like you know like w like swimming just kind of floating there i was like oh i'll just swim back to shore instead of trying to get back onto the rocks mm -hmm. and walking back because that was uncomfortable and took a long time and as I'm swimming, I swam away from the rocks to go, like, into the shore. And then I realized, holy fuck, I might not be able to make it. Like, I had that thought come in pretty quickly into my head where I was like, oh, I can't swim. This isn't good. And so I'm, like, doggy paddling trying to fucking get back to shore. And, man, I was, I was, I was really scared I might drown. Yeah, I'm not a really good swimmer. No. What a pathetic way to die, too, if I'm, like, 28 years old and I just fucking drown. <laughs> Like twenty feet off the shore, I could I could drown in a hot tub probably. Dude. <laughs> like, I'm just being honest. Like you get a little too many beers in you, you could just slide in the water, slip there. fucking yeah. under. Yeah, all you got to do is stand up, but you can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> 
sweaty and you're fucking drunk. Yeah, no, I could drown in a hot tub. Guaranteed. What, I guarantee that. What What do you think is, is worse, though, drowning in a hot tub or dr- drowning in a bathtub? Because a hot tub generally means you're doing better. It's true. Yeah. Like. Yeah, in theory, I mean, everybody's got a bath, but not everybody's got a hot not tub. Not everybody's yeah. got a hot tub. Yeah, in theory, everybody has a bath. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I have a shitty bath. It's only like this deep. Yeah, that's, that's what my bath used to be like in my place in Inglewood. It would cover up like your knee. Yeah. And I'd still sometimes sit in it. <laughs> like, like, yeah, like fucking. Yeah. And then you, you do the thing where like you lay on your back and it like just pushes the water up over yeah. your chest, but just yeah. barely. Yeah, you lay down and you stick your legs up in the air. <laughs> just like a Mormon, sometimes you got to soak. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I had to do the joke. You had to do the joke. I appreciate it. In all fairness, I do. I do appreciate a good soak. Mm-hmm. Also, though, like, okay, I have a question about this, because I've always wondered, how do they know that they're finished soaking? Like, is it just when you go soft? Yeah, I guess so. Like, maybe you just sit there, you're soft, and no, then, like, you get hard. There's maybe waves I think to it's it. like when you're, you spend too long in the bath, everything gets, like, old man and wrinkly. I think that's, <laughs> oh, that's what your dick. Your dick is just even uh, more wrinkled. You know, everything's, like, waterlogged. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> God. Yeah. You got to pull out, but your wrinkles have, like, attached <laughs> your, to her your lips. Your dick looks like a tongue with trench mouth. <laughs> <laughs> that is what my dick looks like. <laughs> okay. Speaking of nasty things, you know what I fucking learned about Howie Mandel? Did you hear about this TikTok? I just saw some clip about it. It was old oh, news. Are we talking about the prolapse stain? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I never knew about this. Yeah, I, just, yeah. I, just, I just learned about that. Is this a symptom of COVID? Yeah. Is this a symptom? <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> you know what's really funny, too, is for a dude that's, mood. like, so germaphobic, mm-hmm. you, would, you would think he would not be, you know. No, fucking... he's not that germaphobic. I've listened to his podcast. He talks about it. He's like, I hate how the media portrays me as this germaphobe he's like there's certain things that ick me oh, okay. i'm not that bad I heard, I heard he was pretty bad and they make it look bad when he's on fucking america's they Got play Talent they ham shit. it up yeah. and he's talked to him, he's like i just get paid so well i'm not gonna tell them to stop that makes sense <laughs> and and he's and, like seems like a pretty big homie honestly yeah <laughs> i mean he'd be a bigger homie if he played more Canadian albums on the Canadian comedy station that <laughs> fucking Just for Laughs bought and then axed for a little while there where they were like... It, my favorite thing about that is his video where he's in his fucking mansion and he's ex- he's trying to explain to Canadian comics why it's better that less of their tracks are being played on Sirius XM. And he's like, well, listen, before it used to be 100% Canadian content, but now it'll be 40% and the other 60% will be American comics. Mm. And that was his explanation, and everyone's like, "Yeah, okay, fucking, how does that make us more money? Like, how is that better (laughs) for us? Speaking of Canadian comedy, I heard you were at the reopening of the Comedy Monday Night. I was. Yes. I was at at Now Modern Love, and I fucked it up at the end and said, thank you, Broken City, before I got off stage. (laughs) (laughs) That's even better. It was pretty funny. I will say, like, the, the, the inside looks really nice now. It looks huge. It looks way bigger than it did before. It 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 does look bigger. It is, I would say, a little bit bigger. Um, it's did they tear out the booths? It looked like it, but I couldn't. They get tore good... out everything. Okay. They tore out the bathrooms. They tore yeah. out uh, the bar, the stage. Okay. The fucking the, the the raised part of the floor at the back is gone. Like everything. Like it is. It was gutted. Hey, that raised part needed to go anyway. The amount of times I tripped on that shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like uh, that part, I I definitely agree with. I feel like here's what I'll say. There's a giant island bar in the middle now. Mm. 
which uh, means right in front of the stage, you probably have six or seven tables, maybe maybe at the most ten. So it feels weirder because like you're you're playing to the sides more than you are to the front because mm. there's just way more people along the sides. Uh, I think for music, it's probably a lot better than it was before but for for comedy it feels weird i i am not gonna lie i i definitely i maybe it's gonna take some getting used to and like maybe it'll get better and i mean i'm always gonna fucking go back and and Mm -hmm. do the room as much as i can because it's comedy monday night it's iconic but it it, it's weird how big the island bar is compared to like every everything else in the room like they they made that thing fucking massive it kind of looks like like a brown social house on the inside (laughs) now (laughs) Which is, like, the one thing that I'll say I'm not the biggest fan of. That being said, I do like that when you walk around, your feet don't stick to the floor. Yeah, I mean, you know? uh, I mean, Broken City had it uh, charming. Uh, yeah. Could, you could say it was uh, it was a bit of a dump. It was, yeah. It was uh, a lovable dump. It was a it lovable was a dump, but yeah. it, was, it was a dump. It was, it was definitely, uh, you know... I will say it was it was great for comedy though because of how close everyone was mm-hmm. like like you were like you know it, it, even when it was like an, an off night people were still basically shoulder to shoulder and like the tables were super close together so you get a laugh and it felt like a big laugh yeah. and now you're like you're kind of you're like what would have felt like a big laugh before you're now having to accept that it's going to be a bit of a smatter you know what I mean like because mm-hmm. you're not you're not getting the same infectiousness. Of like having people right beside each other, like it's weird because Tea House is a weird fucking layout for comedy, but Tea House is better because of the fact that people are so close together. Like the so like even though it, it's like L shaped and kind of strange, everybody's still you know tables are right beside each other. So yeah, when we saw your show at the Tea House, the only thing my only Christmas we were kind of far. Yeah, it, it was hard to see. Yeah. It was hard to see. Oh yeah. Um, especially because there was pillars in the way, and then when there wasn't pillars in the way, there's people sitting at the bar, so your view was blocked a little yeah. bit as well. Um, and that's that's like my criticism with that is for sure. But I would say sound wise, it it sounds better. Well, there. we heard everything pretty yeah. crisply. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a couple like really weird dive comedy venues in town. I know you used to do Vern's a lot. Yeah, I went to Vern's for the first time not too long ago. I was about to say talking about Broken City, like that dive might be gone, but we will always have Vern's. I feel like yeah, <laughs> I I don't think Vern's will ever close. No, it'll never close, and it will never change. No. Like that everything... place will reek of cigarettes for the rest no, of days. Oh yeah, I I kind of got a mothball smell when I went in there. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess it's I... mothballs. If you go there right when they open, it smells like cigarettes because you know they were smoking at the bar right before yeah, they open the night the night yeah it smells i like can a, neither confirm nor deny this i can <laughs> confirm it it smells it smells and I have no a little a little a little dusty but yeah i saw um marito lopez there and i saw oh Bobby yeah, yeah warner and uh will hannigan and all those guys there yeah uh, that that fucking show looked like it was a blast yeah i get fucking um marito like was pointing at me, and I forget the other guy's name, the tall fucking guy. Jarrett? Yeah. Jarrett Campbell? Yeah, he Fucking was, Jerry! Yeah, he was, like, <laughs> coming after me as well. Yeah, yeah, because I sat, like, <laughs> like, right up in the front. Yeah. Oh, God. You know what's funny is, like, I, I, I would never sit in the front, not because I'd be afraid of comics fucking ripping on me, but more so that I'm, like, if it happened, 
I don't know how I'd be able to take it as an audience member. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I took a fight. He didn't say anything mean, but like there was this other fucking guy they wouldn't leave alone, like this smaller guy, and he was like <laughs> kept calling him his son, and he's like my boy, like blah blah blah. And he's like, you want to make friends with that big guy over there? He's like, you guys can have a sleepover. <laughs> and then he pretended to be me. He's like. I'm only going to fuck you in the ass a little bit. Like, like <laughs> just like, yeah. And then Marito came after me too. Yeah. A little bit. It was funny. Marito's so fucked. We need to get Marito on. He's the got insane energy, man. I yeah, was really impressed. He's fucking, he's, he's, uh, wildly talented as well. Mm-hmm. Like he's somebody who could go up without a fucking plan. And I think it would be hilarious. Yeah, no, it was pretty good. It was a really good show. And they were just come like, he was just coming back from, to calgary for a bit and it was yeah had lots of good specific calgary jokes also shout out to fucking will hannigan anybody in edmonton he's recording an album uh in the next couple Mm -hmm. of weeks so get your tickets to go see that high school friends with my brother that's why i ended up going to that show yeah shit yeah they used to hang out together back in the day so that's why we ended up going and watching the show damn yeah that's so crazy yeah uh i i've only met will a couple of times but super fucking funny dude Mm -hmm. my god his comedy is funny yeah, I went once into a house party and uh, uh, with my brother and his friends, and somebody stole Will's shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody just took his shoes. Yeah, <laughs> and he was just had to walk home in his socks. Oh, uh, yeah. that's unfortunate. Hey, yeah, like the next day, he's like, "Where the fuck's my shoes?" <laughs> yeah, I don't remember if it was him or his friend. Somebody, yeah, somebody. One of it might have been Will, but yeah, they got their shoes stolen, and uh, it was quite funny. That's fucking hilarious. Yeah. yeah. All right. We should probably get into... Yeah, let's do the thing, eh? All right, so every episode on Misfits on Vinyl, we do a, a special segment called Sam Sam's Today mm. in Music History. Fuck that guy. Oh, not this again. In 1980. Oh, yeah, this is for July 12th. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to do more with the kazoo. <laughs> No, no, that wasn't an invitation to. <laughs> that was not an invitation to do more with the kazoo. Uh, today in music history for July 12th, in 1980, Olivia Newton-John and Elo had the number one UK single with Xanadu, taken from the film of the same name. It gave Olivia Newton-John her third UK number one. Nice. In 2008, Rolling Stone Ronnie Wood left his wife of 23 years and moved in with an 18-year-old Russian cocktail waitress. <laughs> nice. Okay. That sounds that sounds like the Rolling Stones. Sounds like yeah. the Rolling Stones. Yeah. <laughs> Shocker. Uh, the 61-year-old dad of four had met the teenager while out drinking and had taken her away to his luxury pad in Ireland. That's so gross. Uh, <laughs> fucking... Okay, you know what I don't understand is like... She's I... 18. She can consent. Hey, yeah, oh. <laughs> I get that. And like, here's the thing though. Like, from her perspective, like, I get that there's money involved, but you still have to fuck a 63-year-old man. Yeah, it makes me think of fucking Big Daddy. And she's... <laughs> and she's... The Hooters girls fucking the guy, the chef at Hooters or whatever. Yeah. Like, You're his old wrinkly balls. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I fucking love that movie. That's an underrated movie, man. Dude, I would say like a lot of 90s Adam Sandler movies. Yeah, that one is really good. And it was before Lil Nicky. Lil Nicky's a fucking terrible movie. Yeah, that's a bad one. Uh, The Waterboy, though. Yeah. Waterboy's good. Fucking uh, uh, Billy Madison, Happy Mm -hmm. Gilmore. Mm -hmm. Happy Gilmore is probably my favorite Adam Sandler. Wedding Singer. Uh, Wedding Singer, that's another great one. Fucking... That's my boy. That wasn't a 90s, though. <laughs> no, that's a late 2000s. I, I don't know. I, Punch uh, Drunk Love. Yeah, yeah that's, that's not a Sandler movie, though. No, but. That's him starring, but he's amazing in he's it. He's fucking amazing in it. Yeah, and right, uh, I was supposed to say Righteous Gemstones. Uh, what's Uncut the Gems. Uncut Gems. Yeah. Uh, Uncut Gems, also 
Box. Uncut Jams. Eight Crazy jams. Nights. Eight Crazy Nights. <laughs> that is actually a good That's Christmas a fucking movie, yeah. great one. Yeah, no, no doubt. Hanukkah movie. Hanukkah movie. <laughs> Happy Hanukkah, Chandler and Monica. <laughs> I love I love that song where he just names all of the Jewish people. <laughs> Uh, okay, in 2003, saxophonist, composer, and arranger Benny Carter died at age 95. He worked with Miles Davis, Ella Fitzgerald, Ray Charles, and composed many TV themes, including Ironside and M Squad. Nice. All right. In 1954, 19-year-old Elvis Presley signed a recording contract with Sun Records. He was also uh, he also gave his final notice on his day job at uh, the Crown Electric Company. I didn't know you worked at the electric company. No. That's pretty cool. Anyways, at the electric company. (laughs) He was an electric man. Uh, Sam Phillips from Sun Records originally wanted to use the 19-year-old to make demos of songs meant for other artists, but soon realized that uh, uh, here was the man who could bridge the gap between uh, white and black performers. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, In 1996, Smashing Pumpkins drummer Jimmy Chamberlain was charged with drug possession. After the death of the band's uh, keyboard player, Jonathan Melvoin, in his New York hotel room. Hmm. Melvoin. I didn't know that about Smashing Pumpkins. I didn't either. No, I know Billy Corgan. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, we only really talk about him, but there's yeah. a weird history of, obviously in rock and roll in general, but that band has some weird drug I, stories. I like uh, the, when Billy Corgan talks about hanging out with the Chicago Bulls and Dennis Rodman. <laughs> He's got some really great stories about hanging out with the late 90s bulls and partying. My favorite is the video of him on the roller coaster. Wee! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the meme. Billy Corgan rides a roller coaster. Wee! <laughs> we were in sync on that too, Sam. Fuck. You guys harmonized. Ooh, I got goosebumps. Shiver me timbers. That gave me uh, tickles in my butthole. Ooh. In 2019, Tarzaga. Oreo uh, was arrested by police and remanded in custody for stalking former One Direction singer Harry Styles. Uh, the Spaniard had been sleeping on a bench near the London house owned by Styles and had been posting notes through his letterbox for over two months. Uh, permission was granted for Styles to give evidence from behind a screen during the trial. Mm. So she didn't even get to meet no, him. No, no, like in the, the one outcome of this is like, okay, he'll be a witness. I gotta see him in court. No. <laughs> oh, what to a be bummer. so lonely, man. To <laughs> be so lonely. You gotta stalk Harry Styles. That's such a bummer. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for that person, honestly. <laughs> she spent she, a lot of nights late night talking to herself, I bet. Yeah, yeah. she couldn't even stalk properly. No. All right. Uh, <laughs> in uh, 1962, Ray Charles was the number one on the UK singles chart with uh, Don Gibson, Penny Country Ballad, I Can't Stop Loving You. Uh, his only UK number one uh, was taken from his uh, Modern Sounds in Country and Western Music album. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Releases on this day. Let's go. Kenny Loggins. Ooh. Nightwatch in 1978. Nice. Good yacht rock. In 1986, and I, I think I have this album, Bananarama's True Confessions. Mm. 1994, Alice Cooper's The Last Temptation. Nice. Uh, Alice Cooper, I will say, probably one of the most fun performances to see live. I've heard really good things about He's Alice fucking Cooper, incredible. Really. And, and he also, like, 
rotates with like his touring acts. Like he'll he'll fucking hire someone for a few years that he's like, this person's amazing, and then they'll get their own fucking deal. And he's like, yeah, fuck it, go go off and do your own thing. Like the mm. uh, the guitarist for Five Figure Death Punch, uh, he had been like a session musician for years, toured with Alice Cooper for years after touring with Mandy Moore. Uh, and then, and then, uh, and then, uh, five finger death punch was starting up and he had been to a bunch of their shows and they needed a new guitarist. And he was like, Hey, can I go do this? And Alice Cooper was like, that sounds like a fucking great idea. Go do it, man. Uh, so yeah, seems like he, he's really good to his artists. Yeah. That's nice. Uh, in 1994, Marilyn Manson's portrait of an American family came out. No comment. <laughs> yeah. I don't really have a comment yeah, on Marilyn Manson. To Marilyn Manson. No, we got to name one one cancelable person each episode, and, and he we, checks off like seven boxes. Yeah, we so. already got through a couple. Yeah, <laughs> we did, we already got the Alberta connection with him too. Mm. Fucking when he punched out that lady in a Denny's in Lethbridge. I didn't know about that. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's on it's on fucking video too. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, fuck yeah. I the, the only thing I'll say about Marilyn Manson is uh, it's actually more of a a, a props to Rob Zombie because in Toronto they were doing a double concert at the Bud stage. And uh, I went to go see it, and Marilyn Manson fucking flaked out. And then Rob Zombie did not just his own concert, but he did all of the Marilyn Manson songs too, which is still a fucking amazing. That's cool. Yeah. That's that's a ten out of ten. I would rather Rob Zombie cover Marilyn Manson than oh, see yeah. Marilyn Manson. Honestly, yeah. I, like as long as he doesn't make any more monsters movies, I'm happy. <laughs> Rob, Rob Zombie does in his spare time. You know what? I think that Rob Zombie though, like he's. Whoa. Bye, Taylor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Rob Zombie, I will say, I fucking love his filmmaking. Like, I, I love I, I love the House of a Thousand Corpses, yeah. Devil's Rejects. Mm-hmm. Fucking Lords of Salem is an underrated fucking movie. I know it's kind of hated in the community, but I am a fan of his Halloween movie. I am, too. You know what? He didn't even... It's not even his fault that that movie, like, wasn't as well-received. Like, it, it 100% came down to getting butchered in post-production. Yeah. Because he had, he had way cooler ideas with that movie that just didn't get shown. Yeah. Which is a bummer. All right, so every episode on Misfits on Vinyl, we review an album. I can only, like, hold your foot. You're so I far mean, right. oh, God, I don't like that. I want to <laughs> hold your hands. Can I tell you something? Fucking stretch. I think you'll understand when I say that something. I want to hold your hand. Your hand. <laughs> That's not what we're doing today. No, that is not what we're doing today. Uh, uh, every episode we review an album. Sometimes it's one of our favorites. Sometimes it's a popular one. Sometimes it has the Venn diagram of crossover. And once in a while, it's a fucking Canadiana classic. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna intro this song because I know a lovely story about you and uh, the, this band. <laughs> this is a uh, a small, you know, folk. Not very well known Canadian group. <laughs> um, you know, they 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 started at humble roots. Um, you know, never really gained much traction. Um, <laughs> Played in small bars just on the border towns yeah, yeah, in the yeah. US. <laughs> like they never really made it big. Yeah, no, no, none of the band really, you know, saw the the success <laughs> that they deserved. Um, especially with their unknown hit. <laughs> Weak kids. <laughs> <laughs>
So for context, I wasn't here for this moment, but uh, Spencer, we're doing the tragically hip. You can introduce the. Album. You were you were here for this moment. What, no, I was I was told the story by uh, by Siobhan. No, we were we were you were there. It was it was you, me, Chad, Siobhan, and uh, some uh, guy that Chad was. Oh seeing. yeah, I was we were there. Yeah, a fire, that's right. And yeah. I was given I was given uh, I was given permission to pick a song, and I said <laughs> I'm going to show you guys a song. I don't think you'll know it. And then I go on this fucking tangent. And yeah. then I played Wheat Kings by the Tragically <laughs> yeah, Hip, and I everyone was, there, was like, "What the fuck is wrong with you? We all know this. <laughs> we all know this." Song. So the the band and the album, it's the Tragically Hips, uh, nineteen ninety two album, fully completely. Yes, uh, which has Wheat Kings on it, and Courage, uh, and Courage, and Hundredth mm-hmm. Meridian, mm-hmm. and Fully Completely, mm-hmm. and Locked in the Trunk of a Car. Mm-hmm. And various other tracks. Yeah, this is a good album. It's a really good album. Uh, this is actually uh, so. Let's get into it. It's the third studio album. It was released October 6th, 1992 by MCA Records. Uh, producer Chris uh, Sangards, uh, who's best known for his work in heavy metal recording for Ozzy Osbourne, Sabbath, Exodus, Anvil, Thin Lizzy, and Judas Priest. Uh, and he also did some work with some pop punk alt bands like Deposh Mode and fucking uh, Concrete Blonde and Tom Jones. Uh, he, he amazing UK producer. Uh, he's known for uh, a guitar recording technique called the Vortex, mm. uh, which he first used when recording guitar of uh, John Goodsall for the band uh, for the Brand X album Moroccan Roll in 1977. Which that's a fucking great name for an yeah, album, Moroccan Roll. Roll. Yeah, I was about to say that's fucking awesome. Uh, but he later refined the technique, which gives uh, the recording a random panning effect, uh, similar to a reverb, but obtained through a particular placement of microphones. Hmm. Uh, so he produced the album. Uh, while the albums uh, before had been successful in Canada, the hip had not broken into the American market yet. So uh, hip guitarist Rob Baker later voiced the opinion that collaborating with the same producer on multiple projects, like the hip had done with their first two albums had become troublesome because uh, little politics and intrigues entered into things. Uh, in 92, producer Chris uh, Sangards, uh, Sangrides, Garids, Sangrids, we'll get there. Chris uh, Sangria. <laughs> Chris Sangria. Uh, he had just completed production on an album by Concrete Blonde and was eager to work with the hip. Uh, MCA, who was responsible for the financial success of the album, uh, favored him because of his proven ability to generate American radio-friendly sounds with Ozzy and Sabbath and Exodus. Mm-hmm. Like he was, he was, he was good at uh, and Judas Priest and Liz, uh, Thin Lizzy. He was able to like make these bands popular in the U.S. Yeah, because uh, he just he fucking had an ear for it. Um, during production of the second album, uh, singer Gord Downey had announced that he would no longer sing lyrics written by other members of the band and fully completely was the first album that would follow this decision. Interesting. I would also say like there were, there were some great songs on the previous albums, but when I looked into it, the great songs from the previous albums were all written by Gord Downey. (laughs) (laughs) So I feel like this was where the hip kind of became the hip. Yeah, I mean they're kind of known for their their lyricism. He's known for his poetry, for his yeah. way with words. It's you know bes- incorporating crazy Canadian history into shit where you're just like, what? Mm-hmm. Where did this? That's come why from? they're like you know so they have such a big hold on Canadians because they talk about Canadian life in such a 
perfect way. Yeah. They talk about being Canadian, the things that make being Canadian unique and, and growing up in Canada and unique. And they cover every demographic. They cover mm-hmm. all aspects of history. They they go fucking brutally honest with their lyrics. And it's it's something that realistically should not get a lot of airplay mm-hmm. in the U.S. But it gets a lot of airplay here because people connect with the music. They connect with yeah, the Yeah, well, lyrics. even when we were living in Toronto, man, like the... Uh, like you listen to like fucking Bob Cajun, dude. There's yeah. a, I forget the name of the bar that's got the fucking checkerboard floors, but we went there. We saw a concert there when he came and visited. Um, it's that it was on. It's on Queen Street. We went to this bar um, with the checkerboard yeah. floors riding on horseback. I came and met you there. Oh yeah, no, I, I literally, the name of the bar. I was like, what are you talking about? Because I just, I literally just heard music playing. I walked in and paid cover and watched. Like, I forget whatever. the name of the bar. But was it's that the fan. Horseshoe Tavern? It is the Horseshoe yeah, Tavern. Yeah, so that's where they performed their first concert in Toronto. Yeah, which is uh, super random fun. Fact. And then he talks about yeah, I know the song's not on the album, but he talks about the riots in Christie Pitts Park. And yeah, like yeah, like there's all little things, Canadian things. They that, talk about the fucking Toronto hurricane yeah, in one of their songs. Oh yeah, oh like, yeah, uh, what a fucking wild thing you know yeah. uh okay uh so this album was not recorded in canada though mm. it was recorded it at battery studios in london england uh and in contrast to the band's first two albums production techniques did not try to mimic what the band was performing on stage each track was built instrument by instrument over the course of five weeks with only three days dedicated to vocals uh what's super funny about that is that uh, like Okay, that obviously is a technique that was being used for probably at that point 20 years where mm-hmm. they would layer instruments in post, you yeah. know. But what I think is is funny is that their first two albums they were really they were really trying to capture like what their live performance was. And there's no there's no real good way to capture live performance in any way. Like there's I I'm saying this as as a as somebody who has has recorded multiple live performances for you know albums. It's never the fucking same. No. There's never a way that you can get that same energy, that same fucking feeling that you're getting in the room. It's just not. It's just the not only, possible. The only one I would argue would be the um, Talking Heads. There's some pretty uh, amazing live movie. albums. I could there's think some of. good live albums, but uh, they're like still King Gizzard's live albums are always feel amazing. Yeah, and they capture it really well because they always bring out more instrument players. But and... I would I would also say this. They're still not as good as actually being there. Yeah, but you're also talking about trying to get a live sound in studio. Not so much. Yeah. Yeah, not so much recording a live album. Like, getting a live sound in yeah. studio. So it's a little different than like if you're, doing if you're, something live. Okay. Yeah. yeah, if you're doing it live with an audience, that you can get it. But it's, not, it's still not... Like, when you're in the studio, though, next to fucking impossible. Because mm. the energy is just not going to be the same. Um, but anyways, so... Uh, Okay, so the band uh, ex- uh, the band expected recording in London to be a grand experience, but had mixed experience upon arriving. Some band members found that the nights and weekend outside the studio to be dull and isolating, which is a perfect descriptor for England. <laughs> <laughs> um, the band has described the making of the album as being about us wanting to learn. Uh, the art budget for the album was thirty thousand, with the total budget for the album being an estimated hundred and eighty-five thousand uh, dollars back in nineteen ninety-two. So not adjusting for inflation or anything. Mm. So pretty fucking big budget, especially yeah. that art budget for the album. That is that is pretty high. Mm. Um, the cover art was designed by Dutch artist Levine Prins. Uh, Prins was given the idea of 
a Bucklanian sort of scene, lots of decadence, decay, and rebirth by hip guitarist Rob Baker, and was left to work with the idea. Uh, Prince also drew inspiration from uh, I, I Ching symbols and numbers. Uh, the final artwork was created using a Canon color photocopier, and the cover consists of 30 segmented photographed, uh, photocopied images pasted together. Um, now, Prince actually owns the artwork still. Mm. So he's still allowed to do whatever. Uh, and the hip bought, uh, but in the late 90s, the hip bought the piece from a gallery in Los Angeles, and it now hangs in their studio near Kingston, Ontario, uh, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah, it's a cool album cover. Um, now, speaking about the themes in this album, because we gotta we gotta talk about uh, a lot of these songs have fucking real issues involved. So, lyrics on "Fully Completely" are centered heavily on Canadian icons and history. Uh, writer Rob Mitchell uh, has described the album as a trippy Canadiana dream and nightmare, uh, like the Odyssey directed by Adam Egyon. Uh, the title of the first track on the album, Courage for Hugh McLean, makes references to Canadian author Hugh McLean and was inspired by his novel, uh, The Watch That Ends the Night. Uh, the second track, Looking for a Place to Happen, deals with subjects of European encroachment and the eventual annexation of indigenous lands in North America and makes specific references to explorer Jacques Carter. Jacques Cartier. Uh, Jacques Cartier. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third track at the hundredth meridian uh, references the line of longitude that separates much of Western Canada from the Central and Atlantic regions. The ninth track, Fifty Mission Cap, refers to the life, career, and death of Toronto Maple Leafs player Bill Bar Barilco, Barilco, uh, as well as Fifty Mission Caps, which were provided to elite bomber pilots of the Allied forces during World War II. And my favorite fucking track on the album. My favorite hip track of all time, Wheat Kings, uh, tells the story of uh, one of Canada's darkest moments as a 17-year-old David Milgard was wrongly convicted of the brutal and murder of 21-year-old Gail Miller. Uh, through a shady conviction, he served 23 years in prison before being released in 92 after a retri uh, retrial. He was released in 92 when the Supreme Court of Canada overturned his conviction, and in 1997, he was fully exonerated through DNA test results. Wow. Fucking insane it would take that long, but yeah. how many how many people do you think are fucking going through that still? Well, you know? or have Lots. gone through yeah. it, or have gone through or it. Or have yeah. gone through it. Yeah, I mean, that's nuts. I mean, that's um, one of the things, like we said, like they talk about very specific, unique Canadian stories they tell very you know they tell stories that outside of Canada you know people wouldn't know about yeah. right yeah and I think that it's safe to say Canada has uh, you know an interesting uh, bunch of history mm -hmm. uh, interesting and there's specific history in Canada that I think is very interesting that doesn't get as much recognition as as uh, as American history and I think part of that is because of per capita you know like there's there's a bigger population in the US more shit happens there there's crazier shit to they're a certain also, extent they're also like a cultural center yeah, piece that, of the yeah, world that's, that's kind of where if anything happens in the u.s i mean it becomes a big thing but i mean canada has often been ahead of the curve on certain things yeah like when it comes to you know gay marriage and things like that canada was way ahead of the u.s but it got so much more attention when it happened US. in the u.s yeah yeah, yeah. yeah which like, is which is fucking crazy it's like 2002 here i think uh 2006 2006 yeah here? the vote yeah. started at 
05 and then everything was finalized 06 and then 2013 mm. in the US. Yeah. We were ahead by 7 years. Almost ahead by a century. Almost ahead by a century. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> All Not right. really, though. <laughs> now, let's get into the about the artist here. Mm-hmm. Uh, formed in Kingston, Ontario in 1984, consisting of vocalist Gord Downey, guitarist Paul Lang- Langlulz, uh guitarist Ro- uh, Rob Baker, formerly Bobby Baker until 1994, and bassist Gord Sinclair, they had two Gords in the band, and Canadian. drummer Johnny <laughs> Faye. I know, right? Yeah. I, <laughs> I bet they were both fucking named after a hockey player, too. A hundred percent. Probably the same one. Yeah, probably the same one. Or Gordon Lightfoot. Uh, yeah, Lightfoot. Oh, yeah. R.I.P. R.I.P., yeah. Yeah. Fucking, that was, that was recent. Yes. That is recent Canadian history. Mm-hmm. Sundown. <laughs> Gord. Oh, Gord. <laughs> Gord. Gord. Oh, hey, Gord. Gord. But I'd say pro- more than likely Gordy Howe. Probably Gordy say, Howe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Probably Gordy Howe. I would uh, say. So KCVI Variety Show uh, uh, was a variety show at uh, Queens University. and uh, Or, fuck, sorry. Uh, which university? It's fuck. Queens. Is, is it Queens? Yeah, okay, yeah Queens yeah. is in Kingston. Uh, well, uh, they performed there on a show as the Rodents. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank God they changed that yeah. name. Um, and they used to play at, uh, some of the places on campus, like Clark Hall Pub and Elfie's. Um, then, okay, so in 1986, uh, guitarist Paul Langles joined the band, and then, uh, saxophonist Davis Manning left that same year. Uh, and that was the year that they changed the name to the Tragically Hip, which was named after a skit from Michael Nesmith's movie Elephant Parts. Nice. I uh, I like Kingston. I don't know if you've ever been. Kingston's a great town. I have not been to Kingston. Yeah, it's really like it's weirdly like I mean like lots of towns in Ontario. It's very historical. They have old buildings and shit like that. It's a nice town. I yeah. I, I do dig the architecture out east. Mm-hmm. There's some fucking really cool buildings out yeah. east. It's a nice nice town. Yeah, I ate at a Irish pub there. It was good. I had curry chips. Ooh, yeah, that sounds delicious. Mm-hmm. It was delicious, especially was. from an Irish pub. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like fucking, like they have like the British food is so funny. I saw this <laughs> meme about it the other day. Sorry to go off topic. No, no, no. But it was like, why do British people still? eat like the Germans are bombing. And this guy was like, <laughs> fucking, he had fries and then he had mushy peas, curry. <laughs> it's like, yeah, why do they still eat like the fucking Germans are bombing? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It's weird for a country that fucking colonized everywhere to try and get spices. They never fucking took those I, I know, home. They don't use you know? them. Yeah, they know. never use a single spice. They took the tea home. Yeah. Uh, okay, so by the mid-80s, they were performing in small music venues across Ontario until being seen by then-MCA Vice President Bruce Dickinson at the Horseshoe Tavern. There you go. Horseshoe Tavern, baby! Uh, they were signed to a long-term contract uh, with uh, MCA, and they recorded the EP, The Tragically Hip, which was released in 1987. It produced two singles, Small Town Bringdown and Highway Girl. They followed that up with 1989's Up to Here, the album produced four singles, Blow It High Dough, New Orleans is Sinking, Boots Are Hearts, and 38 Years Old. All four of those were hits in Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, fucking 38 Years Old is another great fucking uh, track that mm-hmm. references Canadian history without getting too fucking into the details, you yeah. know? Um, 
They followed that album up with uh, Road Apples uh, in 1980, uh, 1991, producing three singles, Little Bones, Twist My Arm, and Three Pistols. It reached number one on the Canadian record charts. Also, the documentary about the Tragically Hip, tragically hip is named after one of the singles long time running really? from that album. Oh, that's, that's Which is personally cool. my favorite hip song. It's so beautiful. I, you know what? It's funny because I feel like you talk to any Canadian, they have a favorite tragically hip Everybody song. Everybody has a hip song. Everyone has a hip no, song. That is uniquely Canadian. That is very uniquely Canadian. There's not there's not a single person in this country who can't name at least five hip yeah, songs. You're not wrong. Like, and, and everyone has a favorite. And there might be a lot of people who have the favorite that is one of the radio you know, uh, highlights, mm-hmm. uh, but everybody has a favorite hip song. Uh, okay, so... Uh, originally, they were going to name uh, Road Apples as uh, Saskadelphia. That was going to be the original name of that, that album. And they don't like that. I know. I, I, uh, I'm, I'm not, not a huge fan of that, but they, <laughs> they, did have, uh, they did have six songs that were unreleased from that. And then in 2021, they released an EP titled Saskadelphia, which <laughs> had been the working title. <laughs> on the streets of Saskadelphia. I love that time. <laughs> Saskadelphia, dude. <laughs> Great fucking movie. It's about this farmer in fucking Esteban. <laughs> Esteban's on the opposite side of the province. I know, but he... <laughs> He catches this disease, dude, and he's got to go to Saskadelphia, man. <laughs> he's actually got mesothelioma yeah. from fucking dealing with asbestos in buildings in the, in the 70s. He's got to go to Saskadelphia. He's, his, his lawyer is an indigenous person, and there's a whole theme there about the racism between the farmer and the, and the indigenous lawyer. And then Monsanto shows up. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, we own your farm now. Okay, listen. I I know that this is not what we do, but man, that should be a movie that we write because yeah. that would be a fucking amazing movie. Uh, okay, so uh, although the band uh, uh, had failed to like get significant international attention with their first two albums, they were absolute rock stars in Canada by this mm-hmm. point. Um. Then they did Fully Completely, which came out in 92. After that, they recorded Day for Night and then released it in 1994. It produced six singles, including Nautical Disaster and Grace 2. Trouble at the Hen House followed in 1996, producing five singles, starting with Ahead by a Century, which reached number one on the RPM Canadian Singles Charts. Uh, Butts Wigglin, the fifth single from Hen House, also appeared on the soundtrack to the Kids in the Hall movie Brain Candy. Nice. Which is, honest to God, one of the, uh, like, that's such a great Canadian crossover right there. Mm-hmm. But it's not the only one with the hip with uh, a Canadian comedy crossover. I know what you were going to say. Yeah, they, uh, they had a music video uh, in 2003 or 2004 uh, that featured uh, the Trailer Park Boys, mm-hmm. and it's basically a fucking short film, like a short Trailer Park Boys movie. It's it's amazing. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend you check this out because uh, Gord Downey is hilarious in it. It's also in their the movie. They it's I think Bob Cajun's in the movie. Bob Cajun and Thirty Eight Years Old yeah. are both in the movie. Yeah, they're uh, playing uh, 
they're like the ball. It's at the end of the movie. Like yeah, Bob Cajun plays. They're playing and fucking ball hockey. Fucking and, Bubbles is playing with his kitties. And, yeah, and R- R- Ricky's got his uh like lunch lunch, uh, <laughs> lunch tray yeah. blocker. And he's yeah. Like, <laughs> While we're on the topic of crossovers, they also have a cameo in Corner Gas. Like the whole hip oh, show yeah. up to, and they're like talking about how dumb the town is or something, and then they get scurried off. They're like, get out of here or something like that. <laughs> like, Don't talk shit about our town. Corner Gas, another. <laughs> Oh my god! Man, I think that was the bit, but maybe it was a different bit. But I, they were in it for sure. I gotta say, like Canadian comedy, there was there was a great time between '04 and '07 when we had Trailer Park Boys, Corner Gas, Kenny versus Spenny, Little Mosque on the Prairie, mm-hmm. fucking Royal Canadian Air Force was still around. Mm-hmm. We had uh, This Hour is 22 Minutes was fucking great it around that time. Prime, yeah. yeah, Rick Mercer minutes. Report. I was about to say that, like, right at the end of that yeah. was when Rick Mercer Report yeah. spun off. And yeah. that's another just amazing show. So, honestly, if, if you want to look at Canadian comedy history, like, I know a lot of people talk about Kids in the Hall and SCTV, but, man... In terms of like hitting every fucking market and and also revolutionizing certain aspects of, of comedy television around that time, my Walking uncle in. my uncle was on Rick Mercer Report. Fun nice. facts, full segment with him. Really? Yeah, he used to do the boats on the like police boats on the Ontario or like the lake at on in Toronto or whatever. Why well, don't oh, Lake Ontario? Yeah, yeah, that was Lake Ontario. He does all that, and they did like an ice boat episode, and he, him, and Rick Mercer just shot the shit so well. Yeah, oh, it's a good, awesome. it's a good segment for guys our age, well, people our age, those that were into Canadian TV, those were the shows to watch back then. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, Corner Gas still plays on CTV comedy. Yeah, yeah, like repeats all the time. And yeah. and also, two of those shows had animated series spinoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, later I on. also had a friend. I didn't know them too well, but they this guy I knew was the head animator for the Corner Gas. Really? No, he did head of animation for um Trailer Park Boys. Oh shit! Yeah. That's really fucking That's cool. rad. Uh, uh, also, fun fact, friend of the show, uh, Kaylee Riggett's dad, Andrew Riggett, was a writer on Corner Gas. I didn't know that. Yeah, he also wrote the, uh, he was one of three writers on the movie. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he won multiple Gemini Awards for Corner Gas. I, I, didn't, I didn't know that. That's <laughs> yeah. cool. That's really rad. Um, okay, so, uh, around that time, the band developed a unique sound and ethos, leaving behind its earlier blues influence. Uh, Gord Downey's vocal style changed while the band experimented with song structures and chord progression. Um, this was around the time uh, that they ended up on SNL. Uh, now, I, I don't know if you've seen the video of them on SNL. Mm. Uh, it's kind of funny because Gord Downey looks like uh, uh, fucking Jim Parsons on Big Bang Theory <laughs> in it. Like, he really does. But they sang Nautical Disaster. And the only reason that they even got to do it was because Dan Aykroyd campaigned so fucking hard yeah. to Lorne Michaels to get them on SNL. That is the biggest uh, uh, stage that they or like international stage that they were able to play on, too, which is insane, like yeah. in terms of like a broadcast, which is wild because they're 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 so good. I don't understand. Like, I get that, like. You know, there's there's the whole element of, the, you know, that they d- are so Canadian. But at the same time, things that are so fucking American mm-hmm. blow up everywhere. And for some reason, the uh, Tragically Hip just didn't have that same same success. I'm happy to gatekeep this one. <laughs> <laughs> isn't Let's isn't Lauren Michaels Canadian? He yep. is Canadian. Yeah, he should start doing more stuff for Canadians. He, uh, yeah. <laughs> he, did, he, did, he did for a while. He did for a while. He, yeah, yeah, Martin Short and, and Mike Myers and Dan Aykroyd. And, yep, and the whole Kids in the Hall. Yeah, Kids in the Hall. Uh, and you know what's funny, too, is like, the Kids in the Hall uh, uh, started as the Kids in the Hall 
Uh, a couple of them wrote on Saturday Night Live in the in the late eighties. Then they did Kids in the Hall, and then after Brain Candy, a couple of them went to Saturday Night Live again to be featured players. Yeah, which is wild. Like that's a weird progression in to terms go back. of yeah. Like Mark McKinney, for instance, he was he was a writer. Then when they did uh, uh, Kids in the Hall for like you know the six or seven years that they were a troupe on mm-hmm. TV. Uh, after that, he was then a featured player on on SNL. Because I know in like the late '90s, early 2000s, they were getting a lot of their people from the Chicago, yeah. Chicago area, Second Chicago City, and Chicago, LA, yeah. LA groundlings around around mm-hmm. the 2000s. Because that was that was Will Ferrell yeah. and and uh, a bunch of those guys. Yeah, it, they 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 really don't give a fuck about Canadians anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. And and it's funny because in uh, in 2014 they launched uh, uh, an SNL, a Canadian SNL. But it was uh, it was French Canadian SNL, so it was in Montreal. They only ran for two seasons, and a lot of the sketches were actually just French versions of sketches they had already done on SNL. Oh, that's that's lame. Yeah, it was yeah, pretty fucking lame. I didn't know lame. about that. That's fucking lame. It is very lame, and so there there wasn't really like a there there wasn't the Canadian influence on it. Like I feel like that would have been more popular had they been writing more of their mm. own shit instead of just being like. All right, we're doing fucking Matt Foley, but in French. Je suis l'automobile, river, <laughs> rivière, <laughs> sans la rivière. <laughs> okay, so uh, going forward a bit, in 1999, uh, the Hit played their first concert at the brand new Air Canada Centre in Toronto, Ontario. Uh, in July of 99, the band was part of the lineup for Woodstock yes. 99, and they opened uh, the second day. They were the first uh, first band on that stage, and they were followed by Kid Rock. There's so many Canadian flags in when you watch yeah. any of them playing there. There's so many Canadians there um, that didn't take part in any of the bad stuff that no, happened. Canadians no, Canadians do not riot no. unless they're from Vancouver. Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, unless the, they really lose the Stanley Cup. Yeah, then, then yeah. they fucking riot. Yeah. But no, they uh, they, it, it's funny watching that video. Like you said, there's so many Canadian flags out there, but it's like it's like a sea of red. It's fucking mm-hmm. insane mm-hmm. looking at that footage. It's like it's a Flames game, it's a, like sea a sea of red. Sea red. Okay, uh, 2000 saw the release <laughs> of Music at Work, which won the 2001 Juno Award for Best Rock Album. The album features backup vocals from Julie Doran uh, on the on a number of the tracks and reached number one on the Canadian Billboard charts. At the 92nd Grey Cup held on November 21st, 2004, they were the halftime show. Uh, it took place at Frank Clare St- uh, Stadium in uh, Ottawa. Uh, around this time was the Trailer Park Boys uh, music video, like I mentioned. Then in October of 2005, several radio stations temporarily stopped playing New Orleans is Sinking out of sensitivity <laughs> towards the victims of Hurricane Katrina, yeah. which had devastated the city in early September of that year. However... It received considerable pirate radio and relief site play and gained uh, notoriety and praise in New Orleans due to its uh, attitudinal proximity to the city's culture. Nice. And because they were literally talking about the shit that was going to fucking happen in that, uh, which is kind of crazy. Okay, so then uh, in December of 2015, we're jumping forward here. Uh, Gord Downey was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. The band announced uh, his diagnosis on May 24th, 2016. They also announced that despite his condition, they would tour that summer. They released their 13th album, uh, Man Machine Poem, uh, on June 17th of 2016. And it 
featured songs such as In a Word Possessed by the Human Mind, In Sarnia, and Machine. I've been to Sarnia. Do not recommend. No. I do recommend the song, however. I recommend the song. <laughs> I do not recommend the place. I'll say this about Sarnia. So I, I, I one time, uh, when, when I was living in Toronto, before you, you had moved out there, like a month before, I got cast in a movie that was shooting in, in Sarnia. Oh, and... Uh, so I, I had to go out there. I took the train out there, which, you know what? I'll say this. It was fucking cool being on the train going through all these places. And you see all these picturesque towns, you know, Stratford, Ontario. Uh, you go through London. And then uh, it just starts to get bad. And then you get to Sarnia and you're like, this is swift current. This is fucking, <laughs> this is gross. Yeah, London's like the last town you want to stop in <laughs> yeah it's literally the last stop before yeah. it gets bad I and i say that because that's where my family's from i've never been to, i've never been to uh sarnia uh it's uh it's it's uh it's a border town uh yeah. the river is what separates it from from uh michigan it sounds like hernia so it doesn't sound like fun it it is just as shitty yeah <laughs> there was uh there was one thing that was funny about it though is i was in a hotel uh like they they put us up in hotels and uh uh, I went out for a smoke in the middle of the night, and this old lady came up to me, and she was like, with a walker. <laughs> She's like, "Do you mind lighting my joint for me?" And I was like, "Okay." So I lit her a joint, and then we just smoked a joint. Me and this old fucking granny. It was great. It yeah. was it was That's amazing. A good memory. It was a good memory. It was a good time. Shout out to Sarnia grandma. Shout out to the Sarnia grandma. <laughs> Um, okay, so the final concert of Man Machine Poem Tour was held at Rogers K, K Rock Center uh, in the band's hometown of Kingston on August 20th, 2016. The concert was aired by the CBC on a cross-platform broadcast on CBC TV, Radio 1, Radio 2, CBC Music, and YouTube. Uh, the concert featured 30 songs and three encore sets. It was pretty amazing. Did you guys watch that? Yeah. Yeah, I remember watching that shit live. Like, that was amazing. It was amazing. And yeah. you, you watch him literally give his all mm-hmm. that whole show, but the, like, very last song is just so heartbreaking because he fucking, he takes his time with it. Yeah, yeah. It, was really, it was very emotional. Very emotional. Uh, what I will say, though, is why three encore sets? <laughs> he didn't want to let go. Have you guys watched the, the documentary about their last tour? No. It's... I have it on Blu-ray. I'll give it to you guys. It's really worth a watch. Yeah, and they dive into a lot of those like emotions and everything of like he didn't he didn't want to get off that stage. Like when he walked off, the video of him just like sobbing after is like pretty yeah. Pretty sad. I mean, he died pretty shortly after. Yeah, uh, it, it was August. a year after. Yeah, yeah. And I remember because that documentary was supposed to come out in November, and then he passed away in September. And he they, passed away in October. October. So, yeah. yeah, I remember it was like a month before he or after he died. It was supposed to come out. But when he died, they just released it on CBC for free. And yeah. they, the whole day, that documentary just played on repeat. Mm. Which, honestly, that is the most Canadian Canadian broadcasting. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I fucking, you know what? Play, play Gord Downey 24 it's, fucking 7. It's I don't an amazing care. doc. The other heartbreaking moment in that doc is his doctor. They interview him and his doctor talks about like when he got the results for like the cancer and he's like, I have to be the f- one to tell him. And like, I can't believe it. I used to listen to him growing up and now I have to tell him like you're terminal. Fuck. And like, it's a pretty heavy moment, but you know what I will say is like, I uh, I think that there's some times in life where it, you're given the amount of time that you need 
And I think that him being given that terminal diagnosis, he was able to do the tour, and then he had a whole fucking 13 months after the tour I feel finished. Like he had a, like a yeah. good little swan song. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know how much else we have in this doc, but the other thing I remember is like he had brain surgery. I, yeah. If we cover that in the doc. Like he was missing a good chunk of his brain for this tour. And yeah. they show like his first rehearsal as well. And how he couldn't even speak. Like, he didn't know the words to his own songs. And he, like, starts crying in the rehearsal. Yeah. They take, like, a break. And then it just comes back to him. And it's such a magical moment. It is fucking <laughs> very magical that, like, he's able to do that. But, I, I, like I said, I think, like, I think he was given the right amount of time to, like you said, have a swan song. But also, mm-hmm. also so that, like... Canada could say goodbye mm-hmm. you know like he did a lot for the country not just in within his music like he was such an advocate for indigenous rights and for like it, like literally just working class Canadians in general he was fucking such an advocate for 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 Canadians he cared about the country um so on June 15th, 2017, all five members of the Tragically Hip were announced as recipients of the Order of Canada by the Governor General, David Johnson. Downey received his, uh, his honor on June 19th. The other four members were uh, invest, uh, invested into the hall on November 17th of that year. Um, the band and the tour were the subject of uh, uh, Jennifer uh, Bykwall. Jennifer Bachwall, yeah, I got it. Jennifer Bachwall and Nicole Nicholas uh, Lepensiers. Fuck me. <laughs> Jennifer Bachwall and Nicholas Lepensiers documentary film, Long Time Running, which premiered at the 2017 Toronto International Film Festival. It was slated to have its television premiere November 2017th on CTV, but following his death, it was moved up to October 20th. Gord Downey died on October 17th, 2017. Uh, his death was widely mourned uh, throughout Canada, and Justin Trudeau, our Prime Minister, uh, who was a fan of the hip, released a tribute statement on his official website mourning Downey's death. Later in the day, he held a press conference at Parliament Hall, which eulogized Downey as our buddy Gord, who loved this country with everything he had, and not just loved it in a nebulous, oh, I love Canada way. He loved every hidden corner, every story, every aspect of this country that he celebrated his whole life. Which I think that's the the like most beautiful way to. It sums it up pretty well. It sums it up very well. I did have to take out all the ums and likes in that mm. statement, but I I got there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I uh, I remember when he died. I was actually driving up to your house. Yeah. I don't remember what we were doing, but I was coming to the frat house, and they was just playing on the radio, nonstop. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Uh, I remember when he died because uh, uh, it was like. I, I, I took the second half of school off that day. Let me fucking tell you. I was like, ah, oh, I'm heartbroken about this. Yeah, I don't know what we were doing, but we were doing something together. Yeah. I remember I was driving up to your house. Yeah, fuck. I, I don't even remember what it would have been. No. Probably doing nothing. Probably doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, more than likely. Probably probably smoking weed and listening to music. Playing pool. Yeah. Playing pool. <laughs> yeah. These are things that we did a lot, a, a very often. Um. Okay, so last thing I'll say about the artist at the Juno Awards of 2021, surviving members of the hip performed their 20 <coughs> 2002 single, It's a Good Life If You Don't Weaken, uh, with Feast on lead vocals. Uh, or Feist. Feast. Feist. Feast. Feist. I think it's Feist. I'm fucking dyslexic, dude. One, two, three, four. Spencer can't read no more. Five, six. I seven, never have been able to. I'm fucking dyslexic. dyslexic. <laughs> oh, he writes the documents out but he can't get 
the words out of his mouth. Oh, oh, oh. oh. he's angry <laughs> again. Oh, Whoa. Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. That was a really good song by me, actually. With Feist on lead vocals. I, uh, I took in the spirit of Gord for that. It marked the band's <laughs> first television performance since Downey's death. Uh, in a professional interview on CBC Radio's Q before the ceremony, the band stated that they agreed to perform specifically because Feist had been promised or proposed as the vocalist. Uh, with them stating, okay, so it's not just going to be some guy trying to sing like Gord or... Uh, or uh, Okay, so it's not going to be like some guy trying to sing like Gord or some guy trying not to sing like Gord. It was a no until Feist came up. Uh, the band also received the Juno Humanitarian Award at the ceremony for their history of uh, philanthropic philanthropic work in Canada. Fuck off. Now I'm overthinking I didn't even, it. I didn't even say anything, you, dude. You smiled, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm happy. Uh, <laughs> all right, shall we get into the... Notable tracks and yes, singles. Yes. All right, Courage for Hugh McLean, 50 Mission Cap, fully completely at, at the 100th Meridian, mm-hmm. locked in the trunk of a car, and Wheat Kings. Nice. All fucking bangers. Funny enough, Wheat Kings in the last, I would say, 10 years has gotten more airplay than any it of the other songs in the album. It gets a lot of airplay. It gets a lot of airplay. And I'm, on a lot of different radio stations, too. Like, you'll you'll hear it on... I've, I've, I'm not kidding. When I worked on the Barbecues Galore delivery truck, we would listen to, like, CJ... Uh, X and like usually like Jack, right? I listen to Jack. Yeah, we used to listen to Jack. At yeah, work, yeah. And uh, and so we would cycle between them when commercials would come up. And there was one day where I swear to God it was on all three fucking stations, <laughs> and I was like, "That's insane." <laughs> yeah, they they used to play Courage a lot more, but now I mostly hear that. You hear Bob Cajun a lot. Uh, you hear New Orleans is sinking a lot on CJ. Um, they play that a lot. Okay, so reception, all music aggregate score. It sits at a four point five out of five. It's good it rating. was number one on the Canadian album charts, number forty on the U.S. Billboard Heat Seekers, and the Tragically Hip and their label MCA had high expectations for the U.S. release of Fully Completely. Gord Sinclair described in an interview that the band were still holding out for the uh, equivalent American success. The success, however, did not happen. And MCA stopped American promotion of Fully Completely after just two weeks. Its success in Canada, however, was unquestionable. It reached number one on every single chart. <laughs> and the album is listed at number five on the top 100 Canadian albums by Bob Mezirou on and number nine on the top 102 modern rock albums of all time by 102 The Edge. Nice. I would agree with I that. I think 102 The Edge is in Edmonton. Uh, it's in Toronto. Oh, is it? It's in Toronto. Mm. It, it has uh, simulcasts across Canada, though. Because mm. uh, like most radio stations in Canada now, they have DJs in one market, and they just fucking pump it out across the, whole, the whole country. Uh, Amp 90.9 in, in Calgary. That's what they do. Right? They're the morning show across Canada. Nice. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Very interesting. Uh, same with, uh, 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 what's it called? Uh, X929 their morning show is the afternoon show in uh, in Regina oh. <laughs> which I think is funny that's good to know yeah <laughs> um, okay so every every episode we review the album we we rate it mm-hmm. uh, we rate it out of 10 we rate it out of technical musical lyrical album art reception and does it hold up all right all right let's let's jump into this bad boy bitch ass piece okay technical. Oh fuck! I'm starting. Oh yeah, shit! You can. Okay, you can. Uh, okay. Well, 
I would say this album. Okay, I do think that they're okay. It's mixed. It is mixed better than their first three records, like their 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 EP mm-hmm. and their two studio mm-hmm. albums. Uh, I think it's mixed better because, like we mentioned before, they were layering. They weren't just recording everything all at once. I think that it it shows up though that they had a full three days to work on the vocals. I know that it, online it said they only had three days to work on vocals, but that's also considering that Gord has probably wrote the songs before getting into the studio and is making minor adjustments. Do you find that he can be drowned out a little bit at some points? I think at some points, but I, I feel like that's across their entire discography. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not like a unique thing to the sound, but yeah. I did notice he did get drowned out at some points on the album. Nautical Disaster, like on uh, like on their next album, I think is the most evident of him getting drowned mm-hmm. out. Uh, like just specifically where like, I, I had to read the lyrics of that when I was in high school to understand what yeah. a lot of it was because of the fact that he was getting drowned out. I do agree with you. I think that he gets drowned out on, on almost everything, mm-hmm. um, which is which is pretty unfortunate. Biggest biggest one where you can notice his vocals is Wheat Kings because yeah. it's so stripped down. It's it's three instruments. That's mm-hmm. it. Uh, and, and it's acoustic. Um, now, uh, I would probably rate it I'm going to go an eight and a half out of 10 mm. for technical element. I'm going to come in closer to a seven, I think. Okay. Um, just for like, I mean, the drowning out thing is something I mentioned, but um, I think there's certain moments that like the guitar sound really good. Yeah. I give it that the, the, whatever the vortex guitar, yeah. like that technique they're the guitars sound uniquely distinct. On this album, you oh, can yeah. hear them very clearly. But I'm going to come more in at a seven. I think there's um, probably more they could do with Gord's voice. Yeah, because um, you're right; it shines really. Obviously, it's an acoustic track, but through Wheat Kings, it shines. Yeah, um, and he's got an awesome voice. It's very unique. His tone of voice is very unique. Um, the way he sings is very unique, and it it does. You do lose it in certain points in the album. At at uh, at the hundredth meridian is where it. I would say is like. It, it drowns out quite a bit during the during the the verses, mm-hmm. not in the chorus. In the chorus, you hear them fine. But I've noticed that something across all hip songs is that the chorus is always the most clear for his vocals. Yeah, but it's where he's usually saying the least about whatever the topic is that they're talking about in the song. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so we're at a seven point seven five musically. What would you rate this? I'm gonna go higher on it. I'm gonna go about an eight eight and a half. Yeah, I think. They're supremely talented. Um, yeah, I would, I would, I would agree. I think that, uh, and and also the fact that you know they have two guitarists uh, mm-hmm. that that complement each other, and it doesn't feel like they're trying to big dick each other mm-hmm. on the on the whole album. It seems like it's it's really been com- like worked out well beforehand. Uh, it's funny because the drumming is something that I don't think gets a lot of recognition in tragically hip. Uh, work, but I I think the drums really shine through on this album. I think what I like about them too is they do you know punchy harder rock tracks really well, but then they can also soften it down. Yeah, and you know they both they both shine their music their musical talent shines in both aspects. Yeah, um, but when they're punchy, they're really punchy. They're really yeah, punchy. Yeah, yeah, I give that to them. They're like really really great on the the faster paced tracks. And it's funny too because like you know it wasn't until later that they really moved away from the bluesy sound, mm-hmm. but you can already hear that they're getting a little more hard rocky in this. Yeah. Like they're they're getting a lot heavier at this moment. 
Um, lyrically, uh, I'd rate this fucking very high. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking pull a Canadian card and say, you know what? I'm, uh, I'm giving the lyrics a ten. Mm. I'm giving the lyrics a ten. I'm gonna come in at a nine. You're gonna come in at a yes, nine. All right, yes, just to balance the rating a little bit. All right, so we're at an eight point five right now. Album art, the album art is fucking amazing. It is cool, on this, yeah. On yeah, this album, it is and, really cool. and finding out that it's it's thirty images that are pasted together, and like it was through a photocopier and a bunch mm-hmm. of shit. Like, uh, I don't know. Everything about that seems super interesting. So yeah, I'd probably rate the album art very high. I'd say a nine. I'm going with a nine. Mm-hmm. It's recognizable too. That's the other thing. Well, not only did, was it through a photocopy, it was through a Canon. Yeah. And there's only one worse photocopier printer than a Canon. It's a brother. So <laughs> <laughs> working in offices, I know fucking printers. Canon suck, but brothers are worse. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to come in at eight and a half on it. It's a cool album, album cover. It's very unique. Um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Habitual Del Ritual or whatever. Yeah. Ritual, Habitual. Like yeah. Similar sort of style, the cut up pieces. The it different, is. Uh, yeah. That's a, that's a really good point. And. When did that one come out? Was that 90? Yeah, 90. I don't know. I don't remember. I think it was 90. It was either, episode was a long time. It was either ago. 90 or 92. Um, I, I remember similar. It, was a, it was an even number. Yeah. I know that. It's similar. Very similar. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to be been, so wrong and someone's going to be like, that was 93. It might have been 94. <laughs> yeah, it might have been. Uh, Young but, Jamie, please. But I do agree with you. I think that there's like a lot of similarity there. Um, uh, and I, I don't remember what we rated that one, but it, it, it's not nearly as cool as this one, I no. will say. No. I, I, I'm eight. Eight, I'm going to go an 8 on it. All right. So yeah. we're at we're at 8.75 right now. Reception. Mm-hmm. Well-received in Canada. Yep. This is where I think they, they, they're going to have to lose marks. Yeah. Because they set out this album with a purpose of gaining traction in the U.S. Yeah. And they did not achieve it. It doesn't make it a bad album. No, but, but I, I agree with you. And I also think it's, it's shitty that they only gave two weeks of promotion for mm-hmm. it. Because I feel like, and, and, and this, is, this is a personal opinion here, but I feel like what they could have done is given a little more time on promotion. Because what would have ended up happening, like they were still unknown. You give two weeks notice, uh, of, of promotion for a band like ACDC or Metallica, who they already are fucking well known. And if, if in two weeks they're not selling records, you know the record fucking sucks. And that's why you quit promoting it then but you don't do that for an unknown yeah but you you pump out a little bit more you're, you're not wrong on that too because there's a weird thing it does happen often some mostly in the pop scene but where a song would have been could have been released like eight months before or a year before and then it gains traction yeah um so that does happen um but I don't know how much in the rock scene, but it does. It does. It can happen for bands, dude. We're seeing it right now. There's a a a, a song that went super viral on TikTok, and Siobhan and I were listening to it, and we're like, like we we'd been listening to it for a while, and we we're like, this is a great song. And then we were listening to the radio when we were on uh, on the island, and they were like, yeah, that that song was actually recorded and released in 2012, and and everything. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And the guy had no. Like no like record success. Well, that's like now that. we talked about it before with fucking TikTok. But I I love that song. Time moves slow. I don't know the other one. Yeah, time moves slow. I forget who sings it, but I was listening. I've been listening to that for a while, and then it fucking suddenly got popular. I heard it on the fucking radio. Yeah, yeah. I was like, holy shit. Uh, yeah. So reception, I'd have to I'd have to go way lower. <laughs> I think I gotta go like a five. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say a four. Yeah. So I I we're right now. Whole album is sitting at a seven point seven five. Does it hold up? Uh, I think so. Yes, I'd say yeah. yeah. I think nostalgia wise, a hundred percent. 
you get the nostalgia factor. I mean, these are the songs that people our age would listen to when their parents turn on the radio and you're on a road trip. These are the, the handful of these songs would come up on the radio station yeah. like we talked about. They still do today. but And also, I would say this. Uh, they have a sound that I would argue is timeless in a way mm-hmm. because the – what I didn't realize is that songs like 38 years old were from the fucking 80s. I didn't realize that either. You that know? was uh, that was news to me as well when and you said that t- today. So it's like I feel like I feel like because of the because of how they sound and and because of this album like the, this album like again I thought that Wheat Kings was from like 2005 or 2006. <laughs> I had no fucking clue that it was from from 1992. You yeah. know. Uh, so yeah, 7.75 out of 10. I think that's a really fair rating. I think that's a really yeah, fair rating. Yeah, I do. All right, well, it's been another episode of Misfits on Vinyl. Anal Contusions. Thank you for listening to this episode of Misfits on Vinyl, hosted by Spencer Streichert and me, Aaron Walsh, and of course produced by Sam Sam the Tech Man, Sam Lindsay. If you like us, please rate us, subscribe to us, share us. Our socials are Misfits on Vinyl Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. If you want to send us an email with any suggestions or criticisms, uh, we love that shit, so send it away. It's Misfits on Vinyl at gmail.com. We love you guys. Thank you.